This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Glass Houses, a Billy Joel podcast. I'm Michael Grosvenor. And I'm Jack Frenino. Join us as we dig deep into Billy Joel's songs and history and what his music has meant to us. People used to buy albums for the front cover, then they got to know the music at home while checking out the back. The flip side of a record jacket should complement the album and front artwork while giving the fans more to explore as they listened at home. Billy's albums are no exception. While there's plenty of variety on the front covers, the back covers are surprisingly uniform. Still, there's plenty of insight into the state of Billy's career and plenty to discuss about the artwork when it comes to his back covers. In this episode, we're ranking 15 of Billy's back covers. We're discussing the designs, how they represented the music inside the sleeve, and which ones we simply preferred the most. Join us as we go skin deep in our rankings of Billy Joel's back cover artwork. There's a diverse array of sounds that you'll hear on Billy Joel albums. And even for as much as the variety you see on the front covers, the back covers are surprisingly uniform. And that makes this one a little harder, but a little funnier to put together. I'm going to tip the hand now. You have three different Billy Joel covers. Just him on the back, the band on the back, him with some liner notes. Right? That's, that's pretty much all of them. That's pretty much it. So I think the best ones work as a good flip side and complement to the front covers. Yeah. And the worst ones just don't pull it off. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And I tell you, this one, as opposed to the front covers, which we did, I made a conscious effort. Well, also it was kind of a time thing, but uh, I decided to not overthink it. Like I kind of agonized a little bit over the front covers because I think a lot of them are so iconic. I wanted to get it right. The back covers, I just went with gut and like, okay, you know what? Yeah, this one's here. This one sits here. Yeah, I sort of did the same thing. I just kind of went for it. And, you know, uh, I mean, there's certainly less pressure because, you know, if you grew up in the cassette era, we didn't see a lot of these anyway. You know, you didn't see a lot of these for years and years until you found an old record or you bought it on CD. A lot of these just seem weird or they still seem like bonuses to me. Like uh, the nylon curtain in particular uh, would be one that I like just never saw until like I saw a CD or a record version. I was like, the hell is this picture? Yeah. And that's another interesting thing about all this too. It's like, yeah, if you had it on cassette or even gosh, back in the day, Reel to reel or eight track, you you know, you never saw the back covers. So with that in mind, we're doing the 12 studio albums. Uh, then we are doing Songs in the Attic, 
Concert and Fantasies and Delusions. Yep. All right, here we go. Uh, my number 15, worst one, Street Life Serenade. It's an odd photo. Doesn't look like any sort of Billy we are familiar with or need to know. The flannel and then like the hair and the jeans, just nothing about the, even the way he's dressed kind of matches. This is the infamous, his cheeks are puffy because he just has had his wisdom teeth taken out and right. it has zero to do with the front cover. For my number 15, I actually went with the Piano Man album. Front and back, they're both the same to me because I mean, one's an inverse of the other and it just doesn't doesn't do it for me. I, I just felt like, you know, for a de- major label debut that, you know, it could have been so much more interesting. And the, um, yeah, the back cover to me is even weirder than the front just based on the flipping of the coloring. You know, I never thought about that. Is that actually the same photo? I think it's just a painting with the colors inversed. Because right, that's what I mean, like, yeah. it's the same image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I'll talk to that when I get to it. My number 14 is The Bridge. You know, we've talked about how The Bridge and Street Life are sort of the same in a lot of ways. You know, that album he was sort of forced to make. Uh, certainly the thinnest, um, the weakest ones thematically, the ones that had songs that feel, felt like they were stitched together. And funny enough, it's also the two where we have a sort of still life with one person, one small person in the frame eclipsed by architecture and then a picture of billy on the back true to form uh this is a picture that has nothing really nothing to do with the album doesn't give you any sort of lore if anything else it speaks to the worst parts of this album which was just easy adult contemporary 80s like everything about billy in this picture down to the jeans just like in the 70s street life serenade shop is just eh this is a guy in his 30s in the 1980s like yeah he's just grooving his stocks are doing well. Everything's fine. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, God, look at those jeans. That's so 80s. Like, so subtly, like, 80s jeans. That is Little true. It is. Yeah. I didn't even think about the 80s-ness of it. For my number 14, though, I actually went Fantasies and Delusions. It's fine. I mean, I don't know how much more you're going to do with it. It's a nice picture of Billy and Hyun Ki. Like the front cover, it mimics the book. That's all fine and everything, but... It just, I don't know, it just doesn't really, doesn't do too much for me. I don't really go back to it that often. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about that a little too when we were talking about the uh, the, the front cover. It's serviceable. It, it fits, you know, it makes sense. It's almost too on the nose, but it's fine. It's fine for what right. it is, you know, looking like a classical manuscript book or a score book of scores or whatever it is. So I won't argue with you too much about that. My number 13 is River of Dreams. Honestly, it was a, it was almost a tie between the bridge and River of Dreams. River of Dreams ekes out just by a hair because it's, it thematically um, fits with the front cover a little more. So it looks a little more like a continuation of what's going on on the front, so that works. But I, you know, it's just the you know the older I get and the more I've been able to put this in context with the rest of Billy's albums, both sonically and you know design wise, it's just such a weird cover you know i mean obviously christy painted it which makes it certainly unique but yeah that just the handwritten songs on the back you know just clearly a cd you know this was not made with vinyl in mind at all sort of predates the wallflowers a little maybe with the stars yeah 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 Yeah. but uh it's a great record by the way yeah it is but uh this is just this is just serviceable you know this is just like kind of all right slap the slap the songs on the back and let's let's go buy another swimming pool with the money we make off this (laughs) (laughs) right for my number 13 i actually went with 52nd street Ooh, okay it just to me will always feel like an odd choice to have the back cover be the lyrics 
Um, I'm glad the lyrics are there, but you know, historically I'm just so used to them being on the inside cover. I wonder what the decision-making process was to have the lyrics, you know, be on the outside and instead of having like the picture of Billy sitting with the trumpet at the diner, you know, why wasn't that used as like a big back cover? I don't know. You know, the coloring was always kind of funky on the photo on the back cover as well. I like the color choices that they use, like the tan, the pink, and the, you know, with the black lettering. I, it just seemed like an odd choice to me. Yeah, I write this a little higher because I sort of enjoy that aspect, but you do raise a good point as to why they did it on this one. Now, if memory serves, still crazy after all these years by Paul Simon, and I think bookends, bookends or Bridge Over Troubled Water, or both of them, they both have that going on where the, where the lyrics are on the back. Okay, so it's not unprecedented. No, it's not unprecedented, but it's also not um, not all that common. And, you know, not that I don't like the lyrics on this one, but, uh, you know, it's it's also not Leonard Cohen. You're not living or dying on Billy Joe's lyrics, especially like with Big Shot at the beginning. You know, when you're looking at like a couple of contractions and like how many times there's like repetition in here because it, it fits the, the music, certainly. But I mean, it certainly makes it easier to, to, to read along. Yeah, I wonder if there was a push to, to, to get Billy a little more recognition for his lyrics or at least the stories he's telling like let's put it on the back cover yeah that's certainly possible so now just to get a little more contentious my number 12 is piano man this is an oft maligned cover present company included but i don't know i always sort of liked it i think we uh we had this argument about the front covers where i liked it even though i know it's weird as hell but to me it uh, it looks like an old daruga type or something and i think it fits the old west theme that goes with a lot of these songs and to that point Seeing the inverse eh, tickles me a little. It's such a weird cover to do the same thing on both sides. A little ballsy. A little ball, yeah, it's a little bold. I'm, I'll give you that much. Yeah. But, you know, it goes back to when we talked about it a while back where it's like, when I'm thinking of like, you know, is, is this choice going to help somebody buy this album? And then I go back to no. I don't know. I mean, you have to think about what, what, what life was like for the record buying public back in 1973. I mean, this was height of the singer-songwriters. Is this picture just haunting enough for the fans of uh, uh, Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and uh, maybe even Joni Mitchell or um, uh, James Taylor to be like, what's this guy up to? Who's yeah. this guy? It's a little yeah. out of time. It's also worth reasoning that people back then might have been a little bit more adventurous. This is when people bought records based on the cover sometimes. Right. I mean, even when we talked to Keith Yates, who was in college when Piano Man came out and famously um, championed the record when it was a stiff and, you know, helped get it back on the charts or get it back into rotation, um, just talked about how the, just the eyes, like the kind of bug eyes with, the, with just a little bit of color popped out to him because he had this record in a stack of records. So the story goes, he was, he was in college, he was in, uh, a critic. So he had like literally stacks and stacks of records, some he listened to, some he never even got to so he was just yeah. cleaning his apartment out and this one popped out of the stack and just the front cover caught him so i think that you know even if we don't like it the mystique made him put it on and uh i think the back cover i don't know man i just uh it's that out of time thing that i really like and when you know when you know it's traveling prayer and stopping nevada and billy the kid i think it complements those the the western songs more than people such as yourself, sir, give it credit for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My number 12, I'm going to go concert live in Moscow and Leningrad or live in the USSR, I should say. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike it. I like how the choice of the typeface, if I'm 
correct matches the Russian flag colors. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, the USSR flag from back then. Mm-hmm. I like that it's uh, kind of ties into all that. And it's an interesting choice because, you know, as I don't know if you all know, if you had the record, it you know, it's got a great gatefold with some fantastic photos um, collaged throughout. Um, but the back cover is just the one shot. It's like kind of, I'm like hot and cold with it. On the one hand, there's not really a whole lot happening with it because it's just the songs on the left, the one co- photo in the middle. But the photo they chose really well represents what this was all about. Yeah. And so for that reason, I think it's a great choice. Um, you know, the, you see the the Russian fans just, you know, arms up, having a good time. And then you see somebody holding up an American flag. And then you see somebody as well, too, who has American flag and a Russian flag joined together. And that's mm-hmm. a powerful statement. Yeah, I ranked this a little higher, but not by much. So mm-hmm. I'm mostly in the same boat as you. I think I think it's, you did a funny thing there where you came in cold on it and warmed up halfway through your uh, your explanation. You like how I did that? Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. Slipped it in there. We're around the same here because my number 11 is Fantasies and Delusions. I agree with you. There's not much going on here, but number one, it fits the front cover. We have some thematic cohesion here. I really also appreciate the fact that he has Hyung Kiju featured prominently on the back. Wasn't something he had to do, but he certainly did. So that knocked it up a few ranks in my book that it's not just Billy on the back. He put the guy that, that was instrumental, literally and figuratively, <laughs> to, this, <laughs> yeah. uh, to this album. Because as, you know, as we talked to him, you know, Hyung Ki-ju didn't just come in. If you haven't listened, by the way, to our episode where we interview Hyung Ki-ju about the making of this album, um, pause and go and listen to that one now because it's a fantastic interview. You know, he didn't just come in and read the sheet music cold. He had a big hand in arranging it and crafting it. And that's even before... You know, he put his his own touch to those notes and to the to the music to make it uh, to make it really come alive. Even down to you know having uh, suggestions and a lot of input on where they recorded it just to get the best possible sound. So it's it's very nice that they put them both in there. And there's a little bit of movement in that picture, just enough with him like Billy sort of looking over his own shoulder with Kyungki in the front. Kyungki's pose, it, I feel like the, now that I'm looking at it, it seems almost like that mirrors a Billy pose from somewhere else that I can't, I can't quite place. Greatest hits volume one and two. There you go. Right. With the piano in the background and everything. Right. Yeah. He's got the piano, right. Same, like right there. Did you just realize that? Or did you have I, that just in mind hit before? me when you started saying it? Right. Yeah. 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 That's okay. See, now I'm happy. I put it up a little further. Black and white as well. Yeah. And black and white. All right. I think we uncovered a good Easter egg there. So for my number 11, I'm going River of Dreams. You know, I echo a lot of your points. You know, on the one hand, it does continue the theme. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's something that necessarily wasn't designed with vinyl in mind. Though I will say that it does, it doesn't look terrible on vinyl when it's bigger. No, that's a good point. I don't think I've ever seen it personally on vinyl. I like Billy's handwriting. I I just like when they use his handwriting. That's a fair point. It, It just gives it a bit of a personal touch to me. Yeah, I certainly... Um, like that aspect of it. I don't know. I, I thought I mean, it could have been a little more interesting, but the simplicity of it is kind of nice. And it's kind of, you know, has kind of a soothing quality to it. Simple color yeah. choices, but, you know, not too bad. Well, I'll give you as well, because that front cover is so busy, I think it does work to have a lot more space on the back cover instead. Volley to me. I'm going with number 10, Concert. Like I said, we're uh, we're pretty close right here. 
I agree with a lot of what you said. It doesn't look like there was much thought put into the back cover, especially with the like kick-ass gatefold. So I do have the feeling that they, they saved it all for the inside cover there. They really blasted it out. I like that it's a snapshot. I like that there's one single snapshot on the back because I think that really encapsulates the fact that this was such a one-off thing that happened. I love how sweaty the picture looks. It's a little overexposed. You know, yeah. the red is there. That's really cool. It's not just an American... Oh, well, there's an American flag flying in the background, but the one that's um, connected to it is a, 19- is a 1776 yeah. flag. So juxtaposing that with the Russian flag um, really points to a sense of revolution. That's a really nice touch. You know, what we're looking at is we're not looking at rabid fans like pulling their hair like they're seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. You know, this this like, look at their faces, man. This like, this kind of means something to them. You know, that somebody really, really, really captured that moment really yeah. well on that shot. I'm hot and cold on, as to whether I like the fact that it's so small on there. I think it works in the sense that it makes it look like a snapshot, but I yeah. also would like to see that bigger. Uh, but I think it's cool that like you get the album and you have almost nothing to work with. You have a, a front that you can almost not see the writing at all, especially if you don't have the embossed vinyl version. And then you have this one small photo and then you open it up and it just it just explodes on you. You know, like the moment explodes. Right. And then when you close that gatefold, it's gone again. And you just have this one quick snapshot of it, which is really what this record is. You know, even Billy will tell you it's not his best performances. The only reason this is released is because it was such a, a historical tour historic right. event there's something about that that the minimalism to it but to how they just pack so much energy into like this squeeze it into this small square within a square is kind of cool i mean like yeah. if you didn't know this was a billy joel cover you would have thought this was some sort of important journalistic photo this photo is really telling a story and i can't decide if it was the right choice or not to make it that small on the back cover but my number 10 we're gonna go with street life serenade wow you're pretty generous <laughs> it's uh, it's not quite middle of the pack. It's still in the lower half. It's just an odd photo. And I think a lot of it is, is I like the coloring. Because to me, it does seem like a black and white photo that was colorized. Well, just because it's like kind of bleeding. Yeah, like if you look at his face and his feet, I don't know. It just doesn't seem normal, natural. Yeah, yeah. his feet look especially waxy. Part of it feels like it's a colorized photo. But at the same time, the chair and the ground don't seem quite like that way it's mostly him but yeah it's an interesting choice for a photo you're talking about the wisdom teeth thing like did they have to do it that day that's that is an interesting question (laughs) it's such a janky photo it's like where the hell is he nothing about this thing makes sense it clearly wasn't lit well because colorized or not his feet are a different shade (laughs) as we learned from adam rips one of adam rips postings this was the house that Billy was living in in L.A. This is like the oh, okay. back porch, back patio. Huh. The one that already re- rented for Billy. So he was still living there at this time, apparently. It doesn't look like it's outside, though. Yeah. I guess it's stucco. Maybe it's because I've never been out to California. Maybe that's just what the style is like out there. It is outside, believe it or not. It's definitely an odd. I mean, the softer colors do kind of work a little bit with the front cover. So that kind of... The coloring ties in just a little bit, but otherwise, no. But yeah, I don't know why. Just to me, this one always seemed like a very different Billy Joel photo. So that's why it always stood out to me. Yeah, it's certainly unique. And I mean, are his pants ripped? In the <laughs> yeah, it looks there? like there's a hole right in the crotch. Yeah. I mean, this, this really speaks to uh, 
I know you're still groggy, Billy, but throw on some clothes. We got to take a picture. The album's coming right. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's like another school of minimalist sort of singer songwriter photos that we're not keying into, you know, yeah. is this like the back of uh like in a James Taylor record or something or a Jackson, early Jackson Brown, you know, or Jim Croce where they would just take right. like a, a really, really like slice of life, unassuming picture. You know, my collection doesn't have too many from that era. So it's mm-hmm. like, I really couldn't reference, but you know, maybe that was not too uncommon. I mean, maybe it was just like when they were trying to do it in that style and it just didn't work, but they just went with it anyway. That's my conjecture. So my number nine, as we sort of get to the middle here, is 52nd Street. I couldn't tell you why I like this back cover. I think um, I think it makes the most use of three pictures of Billy. You know, you got the front cover that everybody knows. You got the diner picture on the inside. Use it twice, then lose it, man. You got three pictures of this dude with a trumpet. <laughs> something's got right. something's got to give somewhere. And, uh, and, you know, it's funny. It's another one where if if I was only familiar with the back photo later on because I had this on cassette. I certainly was not familiar with the inside photo for a very long time until I got it on vinyl. I never bought this on CD. You know, every once in a while you'd see a CD copy with the back on it, but I wouldn't buy it. And then I finally got the record. I was like, what the hell is this on the inside? You know, um, I don't know. I like the lyrics. I had a great night uh, years and years ago. A friend of mine, uh, Frank, he's like, hey, you guys got to come over. You know, I think he had just bought his parents' house, but like his uncle's old hi-fi system was in the basement. And it was like, that place had not been updated since the 70s. And it was wow. uh, me and my girlfriend, Alexis, my friend Norm, who runs the open mic night. We went over at like three in the morning and we listened to Revolver and uh, 52nd Street all the way through. And I remember we had the back, and this is what works. We had the back cover 52nd Street. We were just sitting there like singing along to like every word on the record. So That's awesome. So that, I like that. Yeah, so that, yeah, there may be a little bit of nostalgia in this one for me, but I like the lyrics on the back. I think it yeah. draws a little more attention to it. What I was wondering about sometimes is a couple spots where did he write with these line breaks or did they have to do that? Uh, particularly my life, they will tell you you can't sleep alone, break, in a strange place, break. Then they'll tell you you can't sleep, break, with somebody else. Yeah. You know, that doesn't quite make sense. Was there so much repetition on other albums? Because when you just look at the back cover of this, it jumps out all the yeses and yous yep. in Big Shot. Uh, yep. I can find a lover. I can find a friend. I can have security. That jumps out. I got the old man's car. I got a jazz guitar. I'm just beginning to feel. I'm just beginning to I was to about get, to say, you know, yeah. 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 You know, looking at it, just sort of the ebb and flow of the stanzas and the, and the lines, maybe that just lent itself more to this. Yeah. That they just looked at it like, you know what? This just looks physically pleasing. This might not have worked with other, with other albums, with other lyrics. Just happened to be the one that, that really hit it. All right. So my number nine... We're coming in with the bridge. I totally get your point about it being very much (laughs) 80s Joel. (laughs) We only do 80s Joel, sir. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like the colors. I like the blues of this album. I don't know why. The the blue palette. I I dig it. I like the typeface as well, too. So I I do like the fact that the, the songs are just in a nice bold blue background with the white text with the photo to the right of them. I do like that arrangement. But, you know, on the other hand, it, it really doesn't tie into the album. It's just a yeah. photo of Billy, which is not uncommon for, you know, solo artists. You get that a lot. But when Billy did it so much better so many other times, you dock him a couple points for it. Why, well, you know, this one is kind of in the middle of the pack for me. I don't hate it, but it's just like, it's there. It's fine. And I wonder, too, that photo shoot there, I've, I think I've seen another one from that 
session. I wonder where that is, if that was like his house or it looks like it's like summertime. It always reminded me of, I think because I saw this for the first time when I was down the shore in Jersey and uh, some of the houses down there, they're like on, you know, they're on stilts. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's what I really thought immediately was like, this guy's in, uh, where do we used to go? Long Beach Island or Ocean City, like one of those. And if you look closely, you can see the photographer in his sunglasses. Oh, I love when that happens. It's before Photoshop. Rob Halford, one of Halford's uh, photos is like really like that. You could see the uh, the light umbrella. Oh, that's funny. And then uh, on Circular Commercial by Frank Zappa, they had to do it on purpose because like it, they're just so prominent. Like, because they're in like, oh, both his eyes. Oh, I know what eyes. you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but it's Zappa and he's got the shit-eating grin. So, you know, you're pretty sure that <laughs> yeah. was on purpose. It's done with the twinkle in his eye. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at that one now. It looks like, like from afar, it looks like he's got cucumbers over his eyes <laughs> until you get yeah, close yeah, and realize yeah. they're sunglasses with the, with the reflection. That is such a great cover. Number eight, you're not going to like me. Glass houses. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk to you now. Wow. <laughs> that surprises me. As much as like you, I went into this without thinking about it too much. I do try to shake it up a little. You know, it's like whenever you watch like, uh, you know, the top bands or top albums in rock and roll or something, like you always turn o- turn it off at like number five because it's like, well, it's either going to be the Beatles or the Stones at number one right. or number two. Yeah. So why even bother? Yeah. I just threw this one a little further back. I think it's one of the ones that's most successful of doing a flip side of him on either one, on either side. Yeah. Certainly beats Piano Man. Thematically, cer- certainly works. I love, you know, I-, I talked a lot about the motion you see, the movement in the front cover. So flipping it to the back is the most animated, the most sort of cinematic, you know, it almost looks like a scene, like a flip book. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just uh, not crazy about him being in a suit and tie on the back for whatever reason. Although I can argue that there's some sort of thematic thing to that where punk Billy is breaking the glass only to find suit and tie Billy on the other side. (laughs) Maybe that's a little something there. But yeah, I don't know. I just kind of threw this one a little further back. Kind of just because I think, I think as I'm looking at this one, I put another one way too far up, but I'll deal with that later. So I'll say this one and another one may be okay. interchangeable. Look, I got to um, antagonize you somehow on an episode like I this. I know you have to get a little <laughs> conflict in here. <laughs> Man. Wow. That, that was a bit of a shocker. I got to say. All right. So now my number eight, I'm going to go turnstiles. You know, the back cover feels more New York than the front to me because it's just the open turnstiles. And you mm-hmm. get a little bit more of the grit in New York in the back cover. Okay. And I, I like this, you know, this, the old sign, this platform for Uptown Trains. You know, you can just see a little bit more of the detail uh, on the turnstiles themselves. It's really just like, oh, you know, they have the very, obviously the very posed front cover, but the back was just a very basic shot of, you know, the same turnstiles from a totally different angle. And interesting with this one, which isn't super common in Billy Joel covers um, where the credits are actually on the back cover. So you have the song titles, but then you also have the uh, band and the production credits and all of that right on the back cover. Down to like the engineers. Because the insert just has the lyrics on one side and then that Billy Joel turnstiles on the, on the other side. So they put all the production yeah. credits on, on the uh, back, which is interesting choice. They really took a, a little while to dial in a good Billy Joel package, the more you think about it. Maybe they just didn't know what to do with them early on, you know? You know if you're looking at like a James Taylor or, or uh, even a Joni Mitchell to a point, I, I keep going back to them, but we're still in Billy's, you know, this is towards the end of Billy's singer-songwriter phase. You yeah. Know, they, they came up with evocative covers, but they were pretty simple. They really, the songs really told the stories. 
I'm thinking of James Taylor more. Those were really, you know, just there. Joni Mitchell's were often a little more adventurous, but still pretty, pretty plain. Clearly they're trying to go in that vibe, but then again, Billy's not quite fitting that, you know, he's not like as flashy as Elton John, where you're going to no. get the, like Captain Fantastic or something like that, <laughs> or even Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. But, you know, he's, he's not Leonard Cohen either, where you can no, just get away that's with true. like, a, that's a, true. an ominous long face. My number seven, Nylon Curtain. Get a little tricky around here, mostly because I went off the cuff. This is another one where it's uh, just Billy on the back. Slightly different because it's not also Billy on the front, which we see a couple. Actually, no. A lot of times it's not Billy on the front. It's Billy on the back. You know, we see that as early as Street Life. Uh, we see that certainly on the bridge. A couple others. And we know that, like, you know, it's something he, he seemed to fight for every once in a while, to not be on the front cover. He didn't yeah. always want to be front and center like that. So I think maybe this one and Stormfront, maybe Street Life to a point it makes you wonder if he argued to not be on the front cover and that the concession was fine. I'll be on the back. This is uh, considered in many ways a book, although I see it much more as a play as a theatrical offering. So I really feel like the curtain rises and there he is. I like that. It's a unique look for Billy. We never see him looking like that with the beard and like the, the pale blue shirt. What's funny is that like it's blue collar, it's a blue collared shirt, but it's not like a Dickies shirt. You know, it's like, yeah, no, this guy works in marketing, you know? <laughs> right. But it's still a blue shirt. Yeah. That's a good nod both ways. You know, when you're doing, trying to be as high art as possible and you're talking about, you know, like the working man, that's a good way to do it. I like the right. fact that the background looks um, authentic, but just quite not. Like the, the colors are bright, but a little unnatural. Like yeah. it's not quite verite, but it's certainly not blown out. It's not cartoony at all. It really does look like they just caught him off guard. Like he's just reading the paper in the morning. And he's like, yeah, what's up? Down yeah. to the uh, to the ashtray on, on the newspaper. He looks very authentic right here. He doesn't look like a rock star. He looks like one of the people. On these other ones, he looks like, if not a rock star, he looks like a singer-songwriter. He looks like a right. musical artist. This is the one where he completely embodied the people he's singing about more so. I mean, like the thing, you know, we talked about with Turnstiles last time. The front cover was like, it's a nice idea, but it was just so overwrought. And he's clearly the songwriter here because he's in front leading the pack of all these characters he came up with. In this yeah. one, he's completely immersed in it, as immersed as he's ever going to get. My number seven, I'm going Cold Spring Harbor. It's a nice, solid one. And honestly, of the early back covers, um, it's my favorite. I, I like that it's a silhouetted Billy. It's not so obvious that it's like, here he is. You can obviously tell it's, you know, guys sitting there playing piano. But again, it's another one of those back covers, kind of like the Nylon Curtain, where it feels very natural. Yeah. I'd say this and the Nylon Curtain are Billy's, by far, his two most natural poses. That's a good way to put it. Um, this is him yeah. and his element playing a piano in, in a bar, in a room. I mean, there's obviously some bottles back there behind him. Um, mm -hmm. Like, where, whereas the front cover... Doesn't really look like him. I don't know. There's something about the way the front and like the way his shoulders are positioned on the front. It yeah. just feels a little funky. I don't know. The back to me seems much more like Billy Joel than the front does. You could you could really see the uh, the hair hairstyle wise. It's it's not a far cry from Street Life from the back of Street Life as well with that kind of blown out. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, almost a mullet kind of thing he's got going there. That brings me to my number six. Number six songs in the attic. I don't know. I love Songs in the Attic. I love the entire package. A little bit of me being a troublemaker or just trying to do something a little different, uh, throwing it you know a little further down the list than one might imagine. I think I also made this the front number one, so it's like you got to shake it up somewhere. Now, what's funny about this one is 
it's essentially the same as 52nd Street in a lot of ways. Photo in the uh, upper left and then writing on right. the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So things I love about it is the old picture of them. Uh, I love the burnt look or the distressed look of the, the paper. Everything's written on. I love the explanation of everything. I think it's written well. Gets to the point where it cuts off, draws your eyes very close to when Doug, David, and Russell push their amplifiers into ear bleeding overdrive and Richie floors the organ pedal like the accelerator on a 64 cassette. When I feel the piano string snapping and breaking under my fingers in my left hand and Liberty literally tries to smash. It starts with this is not the definitive live album. And if you're just scanning, that's what you're going to go to. Even more, I think, than until the release of The Stranger. It's it's pretty cool, though. Like right across the middle, essentially, you get the three most important points that he's trying to make. And then the rest is is good stuff. Really like it a lot. But uh, a couple a couple just did it for me a little more. You know, that that's sort of irrational. Well, you're asking my opinion, sir. We don't have a grading rubric like uh, 12th grade English, so <laughs> right. you're getting what the hell I feel like. <laughs> Jack, it's funny you mentioned it too, because that's where it sits for me. It's That oh, is yeah? also my number six. And it, it's those exact reasons. I mean, the, the points you brought about, you know, where it draws your attention, the, the you know, the distressed and burnt look of the, the paper and the, the everything like that. The color choices are really nice. It's a nice part of the entire package. But- yeah. You know, as a standalone back cover, I'm just in the same boat where, you know, there just happens to be, you know, five that do it a little more for me than, than this one. Borders on being overwrought and busy, even though right. it's not, but like the fact that it's that close knocks it down a few. All right. Number five, Innocent Man. Uh, this follows in the vein of The Stranger, kind of Billy on the front and the band on the back. Sort of funny that the Stranger was his uh, breakthrough album in the late 70s. And Innocent Man was not his breakthrough album, but certainly his next wave. You know, So in a way, a breakthrough album, a breakthrough to a new audience. Glass Houses and Songs in the Attic were certainly retaining the audience, if not growing it a little. I don't think Nylon Curtain like, grabbed a lot of new people in that same generational way, but I think An Innocent Man is the one that really did. An Innocent Man was the first real 80s Joel album. For all the jokes about 80s Joel, there's really, well, there's three of them. But yeah, it's, this is another one like, like Glass Houses. If you look at the front and then flip it, it feels like an animation almost. It's the fact that he's sitting there and he's a little somber and it's close up and then you flip and he's zoomed out and his, all, all his buddies are there. Uh, and he's, and he's like kind of just jamming. Does that speak a little to how much the band was important to him and to the music he was making? Like, He's just a somber dude. He's just a singer-songwriter, you know, by right. himself, a little self-important. But then yeah. once he's got his buddies with him, it's a freaking party, you know? It's and that's right. what you see here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes. It like, he lights right up. It's funny because the cover really denotes the song, An Innocent Man, the front cover right. does. But then the back cover really captures the spirit of The Innocent Man, the album. And it's so funny because it's such a candid shot. It's a little blurry. I wonder if that's almost maybe an homage to like, crappy photos from the 50s and early 60s like when your camera wasn't that good and you just got a couple badly exposed pictures here and there but it was like just the shot you know like like yeah. david brown's eyes are closed billy's a little blurry you know there's a lot lost i mean i'm let me throw some light on this more but yeah developing this must have been a total pain because like there's a lot there's a lot just lost in the dark there you have to like right. really shine the light just right to get the uh detail out like if you look at the right way it's just like between liberty and billy that's like just darkness you have to like tilt it 
off center on the light to see like the grates behind them and the, and the banister and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It speaks to a weird sort of authenticity for an album. That's uh, such artifice. I think it speaks to how naturally they recorded it and how natural the sound is. And as an extension, why it was so uh, successful. All right. My number five, I'm going to go stormfront. My top five, these chips could have fallen either way. I'm going to say, because these five are the ones that really spoke to me like well above the others, you know, aside from one or two, like these could be interchanged in this top five slots, but yeah, Stormfront for me at number five, it's a great tie in to the theme. So that I love it's, you know, there's a Stormfront coming and there's Billy, he's got the trench coat on and he's, you know, looking out into the sea, seeing, you know, bad weather come coming ashore. Um, and you yeah. can see, you know, the the tall grass around him, and um, it's just just a great shot, and um, just the stoic look on his face too. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, I know it's posed, but it's the lack of emotion gives it emotion. I like that. The lack of emotion gives it emotion. Yeah, <laughs> I can dig it. <laughs> I just love, you know, how the theme ties into it, and you know, this was the first album I bought the day it came out, and um, mm-hmm. I. I must have studied this artwork and this cover so much in the early days of it coming out. So there's that sentimentality as well, too. I just remember where I was in October of 1989 looking at this for the first time. And yeah, that's a good one. That actually is my number four is Stormfront. All right. And I'm looking at it now and I realize that there are some slight differences between the vinyl back cover and the at least the back cover of the CD booklet. Uh, I think notably the vinyl, the the sky is is a lot bluer. Whereas, and this maybe could be just a photography. I'd have to like dig one out. By contrast, the sky is gray uh, on the CD cover on the back. And of course, you know the CD cover just lists one through ten, whereas the vinyl version splits it side one and side two. This was my come online album. You know, this is the one where like yeah, my parents had it in the house, and I poured over this thing. I mean. For a kid that couldn't sit down for nothing, they must have been like, what voodoo does Billy Joel wield that like I sat there and just like read along to every word. When yeah. in Rome, you know what I mean? Like even down to that, you know, just just studied every second of this. And uh, I remember especially tying the, the, the picture here to Shameless. And I knew in, in, in some primitive eight-year-old way, like something was wrong. Like this wasn't happy music necessarily. There's trouble. Uh yeah, there was trouble and you know, yeah, he's got such a sense of foreboding, which is really a crazy turn for a guy like, you know, kind of at the height of his success, even if the bridge wasn't that well received, you know, he's clearly still selling out stadiums. And you know, to come back with an album that's this uneasy is pretty interesting, really. Uh, you know, would this have been his tunnel of love or his uh Nebraska if we didn't start the fire wasn't on there? Almost yeah. in its yeah. in its weird way. Stormfront is like the song is like ba- kind of bouncy, but like you know, obviously very foreboding. Danny for Alexis, of course, uh, you know, very you know, sad, bittersweet. Leningrad certainly, and then you have yeah. like State of Grace and When in Rome. You know, State of Grace is like one of my favorite, uh, oh. you know, really obscure ones, and it's such a heart on your sleeve kind of song. But then When in Rome is like deceptively insecure, which I like, it and is. of course it. And of course it bottoms out with and so it goes. It's like for an album that starts so freaking huge, it dwindles right. down to just him on his piano again. 
where this could have almost been his last album, just just to do something like that. If you would go from She's Got Away to And So It Goes, like imagine those being the bookends to his uh, yeah. recording career. Yeah. So yeah, that back cover just does it. Uh, I mean, the weeds look like, you know, I talk about my cousins a lot when I talk about Billy Joel because they got me into it and I used to go out there all the time. They lived in Far Rockaway, right near the beach. You know, you would see, you know, the weeds like that, you know, like when you're out on the, on the Belt Parkway and stuff, is the belt out that way? Yeah, it's still the belt out there. Yeah, you take the Bell Parkway out that way, and uh, you know there's 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 a lot of like kind of like marshlands and stuff. And so this was very familiar to me. Like it, this this was like where I you know this is where I grew up. So there was a lot of uh, a connection to this. So now we're getting into number four for me, and I'm going to go the nylon curtain of the solo Billy Joel on the back covers. This has definitely been one of my favorites. I like how natural it always seemed to me and then you know would come to find out later that billy is literally sitting at his kitchen table in the big picture window behind him and that's behind you know that's what you see out the window of his kitchen his ashtray his coffee cup and likely his newspaper you know these aren't props this is him in his house so i like the naturalness of it and it does feel very working class america sitting there in the morning with coffee cigarette reading the paper before heading into the office you know i can see that Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like that Billy decided to go with the beard. He doesn't look like this on any other cover, front or back. And so I like that it stands out in that respect. I always forget until you say it that he's actually inside. I always saw this as he's sitting in his backyard. Like that, that does, that's like patio furniture. That's right. how I see it. I mean, I guess if you look close, you can see the windowsill below him. But yeah, I always think that this is outside and that it's yeah. in the town. And I think that's what gives the the muted colors of the outside that look because it's shooting through glass. I can't believe that's his house though. Like there's another house in the background, unless it's another house on his property. Yeah. I think it's like depth of field. It's, I think it's another house, but it's, it's actually further away than it looks. I've been around that area and seen more photos and there's actually a lot more distance than it looks like there is. And this is the same house from glass houses, right? No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. This is the house after. Yep. Funny, though, that he did uh, two album covers at his house. Well, I wonder, too, if the bridge one was his house as well, too, because I remember around late 80s, around Stormfront, there being a, like a 2020 profile on Billy, and they're at his house on Long Island. And I remember it having that kind of look and feel. So I huh? almost wonder if that bridge photo shoot was done at his house as well. But maybe, maybe not. We'll put that with Street Life Serenade, then. At least uh, three. yeah. And, you know, you wonder if they did that just to make him more comfortable. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this then. So, yeah. you know, they, they clearly rolled up to his house at Street Life Serenade when he was, like, recovering from wind, having his wis- wisdom teeth taken out. Right. Um, the Stranger, which we haven't gotten to yet, is an impromptu shot, as is most of the stuff on 52nd Street. We're conjecturing this Cold Spring Harbor is, too. And we know that uh, Glass Houses and Nylon Current were shot at his house. So you wonder if that was like just kind of how they managed to to get some of the, like something that looked good was just letting him stay in his element. I could definitely see that. Yeah. So I think whether it be the music videos or photo shoots, he's just not comfortable. I'll have to see if I can find the clip. There's a um, video series on YouTube where Billy goes through all the albums that are in the Complete Albums Collection box set. And he talks mm-hmm. about how uncomfortable and awkward he is. In you know, so many of these, he's got something in his hands. Yeah, exactly. It's the yeah. coffee cup and the, the rock and glass houses and the trumpet in 52nd Street. And so 
I think there's something mm-hmm. to that where they brought the photo shoot to him in his element to try to make it a little more comfortable. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, just like we, we, we found out with the uh, Uptown Girl, uh, the choreographer designed that dance based on what Billy remembered doing when he was young. And, you know, that obviously he would feel at least somewhat comfortable doing because he was not a dancer. Right. And it made all the difference and that clicked with him. So my number three, and this is the one uh, I might have put a little too far up, but what the hell is turnstiles? I just like uh, <laughs> like the difference between the, the front cover being way too busy and the and the back cover having like almost nothing going on, like literally, yeah. literally nothing going on. I do agree with you though. Yeah, it does evoke a lot of New York and it evokes more New York than the front cover because you're never going to see that exact cast of characters parading through the turnstile. But if you were down there at like two in the morning or something, eh, that's pretty much what you're going to see. Even even down to like, you know, the perspective is skewed. The white column in that, that like half wall, they're on a diagonal. Like they didn't frame it just right. And I think that gives just enough just enough dyna- dynamicism to the, to the photo where if, the, if, if everything was straight up and down, it wouldn't have been interesting or eye-catching. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, just something about that. I like the way they um they use that negative space and just threw the credits in there. I'm gonna conjecture that there was a thought about well we well clearly we have to put the song titles on the back and the negative space is where to do it, but how are you possibly going to line that up? You know, like what are you gonna you're gonna make each one huge and it's gonna look goofy and then we're like, Well, let's just let's just put the rest of the rest of the credits on there. And we yeah. use up that space. Yeah. Yeah. This platform for Uptown Trains is a great touch. I'm using the uh, the vinyl box set volume one version of it because, you know, as I noted then, so few of us have ever seen a pristine copy of this cover along with others. So yeah, you really see the grime. You can almost smell the piss in the corner. <laughs> like, like there's, I know. there's a wet spot over there. Somebody took a it, leak. It's gotta be. <laughs> My number three is going to be An Innocent Man. I just always love this shot of the band along with, you know, The Stranger. I just thought it was, you know, at that time with like, that just showed me too how much Billy valued the band. Where like, what other solo artists were incorporating their band into the main cover artwork. It just didn't seem to happen. It's obviously Billy, you know, only on the front, but the fact that it's all six of them on the back cover, I think that's cool. And it just made it seem like a unit to me. And I thought that was really great. Out of everybody, the one I, I didn't recognize at first, though, was Liberty. He looks so different. I think it's because he can't see his hair. Well, he's usually got like a grin on his face, too. And he's got a serious mug going on with this one. Yeah, he looks like a heavy there. Yeah. His face looks um, a lot younger than it usually does. That, too. Yeah. The only thing that I don't particularly like about the back cover is how Mark Rivera like has his jacket kind of pushed back a little bit. <laughs> I always thought that was a little odd. He looks super young in that, though. Oh, yeah, he does. Years later, when I finally started going to New York, I, you know, I'd been to this, this location where they shot this. And um, I just always wonder, you know, this is here. It is 1983. Like, can you imagine just like walking down the street and stumbling upon this photo shoot? Yeah, it must have happened. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to close off a city block for it. <laughs> Based on, on what, the, what the photo actually looks like, I, I doubt they had that much equipment. They probably didn't set up like a whole bunch of lights and all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they probably did it early when there wasn't as much traffic going on. You know, they probably picked a time where it was going to be less people around. But nevertheless, I mean, this is this is Manhattan. 
And, you know, I wonder too, like for album covers and things like that, like where it's a photo shoot deliberately like this, like who scouted this location? Who was the guy who was like, yeah, this is the spot. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, I'm going to say either whoever was uh, commissioned to take the photo yeah, or someone like Jeff Shock. That's like just one of those guys that's just out there doing every, a little bit of everything. That's possible. Yeah. I always liked it. I, I like that it's just, you know, not quite black and white. It's got a little of the sepia in it and the yellow lettering like on the front cover. Um, yeah, just a just a great band shot on the back. I dig it. All right. Number two. These are almost interchangeable, but not quite. Yeah. Uh, number two is The Stranger. Certainly uh, of the last two I have and of most of these, one of the most iconic photos, I think, of the band. Uh, yeah, of course, agreed. Especially because it, it has Phil Ramone in it. So much to say about this. Let's see. Okay. First of all, there's a lot of character. There's a lot of character everywhere. It's, you know, Phil's got like just that perfect touch of like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not quite, you know, they, they, they clearly like dragged me into the photo, which is cool. Lives a little drunk, which is cool. Kind of love Richie's shirt. It's an awesome damn shirt. You know, I think there's something to be said about Doug, you know, looking down at the bottle for no good reason. Like Doug was always more of the quiet one. So yeah, it, it sort of works that like he's a little less interested in the fanfare of it all. Billy's expression is like, he's like almost overwhelmed by the characters he has around him, but also a little smirking about it, which yeah, you know, kind of encapsulated what he pulled off on this album, you know, because he had Phil, you know, understanding that the band had to be on the, the album. Not yeah. only that, but also understanding how to like bring it out in full force. Looking at it on vinyl, you can really see those family portraits in the back, which is great. Yeah. I mean, again, because it's an impromptu photo, uh, it, you know, it just really captures a lot. My grandparents have, they had this uh, like picture and it was the, the Italian flag and it said, everybody should be, try to be Italian. I think at least it said like, everybody should try to be Italian at least once a year. Right. And it was just like a okay. funny little thing they bought and they framed it. And over time, my grandmother cut out all these photos, like old family photos and pasted them all through. So like, you know, they weren't just squares. She would cut around and she would do this and she would do that, you know? And yeah. And, you know, we're talking like 50 years of pictures there. And like, I, I think that if you <laughs> if you threw this picture in, you know, if you didn't know the picture, you wouldn't blink, you know? Oh, I mean? right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that really does it for me, you know, uh, especially down, down to the pictures in the background, certainly. Well, we are in line again with that one. Uh, the Stranger's my number two as well. Mm-hmm. Just everything about this shot is just perfect to me and just makes me think this is a snapshot of New York in the late seventies, mid seventies. Um, it's just, I don't know something about it. And this is the kind of Italian restaurant I want to go eat at. Forget these olive gardens and horrible chains of the world. I want to go to like a tiny little place with the checkered, uh, tablecloth and the mm-hmm. basket of bread, the, the family portraits on the wall like that. I'm like, that's where I want to go where you could just smell the red sauce cooking in the back. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I love this one. And, you know, how you mentioned too, where Phil understood how important the band was to, you know, to be on this album. And obviously Billy wanted them on the back cover, but this also shows how much Billy and the band considered Phil a part of the band and a part of the, a part of the unit as well. Cause yeah. not only does do solo artists never typically put the band on the covers, but the producer, that's like unheard of. So the fact that they're all there, I, I just love it. I remember when I was younger, got a kick out of the placement of the Yankees logo above Richie's head. 
<laughs> he almost looks like a like somebody's giving him bunny ears. Yeah, or there's something mm-hmm. weird going on with his hair. And what I love about it too is that it was literally them going out to eat, and then they took some photos while they were there while they were making the record. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't part of the lore that they kind of had to maybe not coax Phil into the picture, but yeah, I don't think he. Like, no, come on, I don't come think in. he wanted to be in it. He's like, this is your right. thing. Yeah, I think. Well, you know, yeah, and you know what that because it was like the, it was the funny thing was like, no, great, you're gonna get me in a Yankees jersey. Like, didn't they put the jersey on him? Yeah, they had the jersey there. I've seen other on. photos, and he had like a long sleeve shirt that was kind of like busy. You know what else that reminds me of, which ties into both the locale and a little bit of Billy Joel lore, is the the wedding scene in The Godfather where they're taking the wedding photo and Al Pacino stops and brings uh, Kay in with the, Diane Keaton. Yeah, and brings yeah. He stop and, and, and he walks over and he, he, he grabs Diane Keaton by the, by the wrist pretty much and, and says, no, you're in this picture too. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like what they right. do with Phil there. It's like a real Godfather move, which, you know, we know Billy loved that movie too. So I doubt that was like front and center, but it's, it's just one of those things, you know, if you think about it that way. My number one. Cold Spring Harbor. I think from the second I saw this photo, I was just enamored by it. The more I look at it, the more it might be posed. It probably is, but there's something so authentic about it being like a kind of shabby house. Yeah. It looks very wintry. Uh, When we first did this album, you know, we listened to it in January and I was like, wow, this is a great winter album. So crisp. I don't know. The bottles in the back just, um, I don't know how to put it, but it's just, it's got that like early 20s feel like. You were up drinking, you put the bottles on the windowsill, you probably left them there because that was that's what passed for home decor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah in that yeah, phase yeah. of your life. Yeah. You know, so totally. it's, that's very natural. Like I think if he's posed at the piano, I think this is you really feel like this is where he wrote those songs. Like this is the piano right. he wrote them on. Could be your mom's house and you just went downstairs, or maybe it is your place kind of thing. The sweater's just a cozy looking little sweater there. Sometimes I pretend it's a thermal, <laughs> like that kind of look. In in some ways, this this is the dream. I mean, as it's funny because as much as Billy hates writing, what says you made it more than I came downstairs on a cold winter day? I didn't have to be anywhere and I just started playing piano. Now I am completely making up that story. But as far as I'm concerned, like how awesome is that? You know, imagine like, well, we have like, you know, you go up to like central Pennsylvania, you get into these little mountain towns and uh, yeah. you used to go up there a bit. And especially in the winter, man, it was something else, man. You felt like you were out in the wilderness and it was just like, man, just being in a place like that, like nobody around and you just come down, you probably got your bare feet, like, like in street life serenade, you know, and like, it's just perfect. You look out the window, you play, you know, you play your piano, you do what comes like, you look at songs in the attic where it's like, wow, you know, like the inside cover, it's like big flashy, you know, rock and roll concert. I don't know, man, to be able to do this successfully for the back cover of Cold Spring Harbor to be your job is making it. In my opinion, it's okay. just pure like craft and songwriting. And, and, you know, as far as we know, that's where he was. He wanted to be a songwriter. So I feel like this maybe did encapsulate what his dream was at that point, having gone through the hassles and, uh, and Attila and being like, no, I want to be a songwriter. I want to wake up every day and yeah, sell my songs to somebody or whatever else. The way you frame that and paint it, that's a great picture, man. That should be the Billy Joel biopic. Well, it's no secret. My number one is my number one is my number one. <laughs> so predictable. It's glass houses. This is in part why I make sure to like put a couple of piss takes in on mine, just to, just to right. counteract the fact that we know that like glass houses is coming in at number one for you. Yeah. <laughs> the, everything about this album is just so ingrained with me. The back cover, I always liked it. The look on Billy's face, 
I like that the original was on more of a matte finish. Physically, it had texture to it. And I just love the jaggedness of that glass. Like, I know that it was a photo shoot with that glass overlaid on it. I'm very curious as to what they did to get that perfect jagged glass. And I know, you know, the photo itself was shot in Billy's house. Because if you look, I believe you can see, which I'm just now noticing this part for the first time. I think if you look at the bottom right, just beyond him, that might be the back of the piano, like the corner of the piano in his living room. On the right? You see like a plant? Yeah. Just below it. Oh, and that little arm? Possibly. Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. But I definitely do know that this is his living room, like right on the opposite side of the windows where the glass house's shot was taken. Right. And then obviously this photo was the basis of my design for the uh, our, yeah. <laughs> our, uh, our artwork. So it, there's so much, you know, sentimentality to it. And I don't know if I ever did tell you the story about, you know, how my sister as a kid was freaked out by Billy's eyes on the back of it <laughs> and colored it in with pen. Oh, that's funny. That sounds vaguely familiar, but yeah. Yeah, so it funny. looked even freakier, you know? <laughs> yeah. God, that's something we would never do now. Like, oh, let me just let me just draw on this record cover. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, back then, record, you know, records were not precious. It's like, heck, you would write right. your name on the record because you'd take it to a party and they'd all end up in a pile and you'd have to remember which one's yours. How many times you buy a record? It's like, it's finally the one you wanted, but it's like somebody's damn name is on the front of it somewhere. <laughs> that's like my, my well, copy of you, Seconds Out by that's Genesis. That's one way you know it's probably from at least the 70s or 60s. Yeah, if it actually has a name on it, that's true. Yeah, you know, yep. you really got me looking at that glass too. And I've, I've never really taken stock of how prominent and detailed it is. And it, I do wonder if it's drawn on, if it's like yeah. a mat or something at the end, because it almost looks like an icebergs. Right. But they like just, they got that close. Because now we're talking about this. I love stuff like that. I love wondering what group of people spent two days getting that glass to look like that. You know, like that right. was this guy's job. I wonder if they did something crazy like, get like plexiglass or something and shoot it with a BB. And I wonder if this is actually like a really, really tiny hole that they took really, really close up to get that oh, level of detail. Maybe. What else would shatter like that? You know, if this is, is in fact a plexiglass or glass or something, you know, it's like, how did they get this? There's a chance it could have been drawn on. I feel like it was something that was created and laid over the photo. But I'm wondering... How much of this is actual glass and how much is, is drawn? Right. Are the ridges drawn? Like, did somebody go so crazy as to put every single tiny imperfection in here? I don't know. Who took this picture? Do we know? We got to find this guy. We got to find this person. Jim Houghton, was he the photographer on that record? Yeah, he did a lot of Billy Joel stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, he worked, you know, 70s, 80s. Yeah, he, did the, he worked on The Stranger, 52nd Street, Glass Houses. Let's see. Yeah, this guy did a lot. He did ACDC, did Chicago, yeah. Uh, Ted Nugent. It's still amazing to me that all the 52nd Street photos were taken by uh, Polaroid, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he did The Stranger as well, did Cheap Trick. So yeah, this guy Jim Houghton did a, a lot of cool stuff. At any rate, those are our back covers. I did not think this was going to be this interesting of an episode, Michael, but it, I think it really was. I think uh, there was a lot to go into here. Yeah, it really is. You know, every time, <laughs> I'll say it again. We think like, mm -hmm. ah, is this is this enough? Is this enough? It always ends up being more of a spirited, in-depth discussion than we even think it's going to be on paper. You know, the amount of uh, 
context that we could draw from the back covers. I didn't think we'd get that much out of him. Be like, oh, come on. They're just pictures of him on the back. And it's like, no, man, there's a lot to look at. Just like yeah. uh, anything else, you know. I tell you, you know, when, when people talk about, man, I love vinyl because you get all the artwork and sometimes you think it's hokum, you know, or it's just something people say. It's like, no, if you actually sit down with this stuff, it's like, there's really? a lot there. Yeah. 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 It really is a whole package, which is awesome. All right. So that's us. So this should be the easiest one for you guys to chime in on. Yeah, absolutely. Give us your uh, top 15. Yeah, let us know, man. Argue with us. Say something. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're totally fine with just a just a list. It, you know, in order is fine too. And if you want to go into a little description or you know a little rationale as to why you know certain things are ranked where they did, that's always great too. We'd love to hear your thought process behind a lot of this. It's really fascinating, and you know, every time we do something like this, it just gives me another way and another angle to look at Billy's catalog that I may not have thought of before. Yeah, it makes you want to listen to the songs a little more. makes you listen to them a little differently. makes you want to get a camera. So yeah, chime in. Glasshousespodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're not on TikTok or anything like that, but uh, we're on the main socials and we love connecting with everybody. And you guys have been awesome to uh, connect with. And we're also uh, in the infant stages of starting a Discord server too, where we can uh, all chat about all things Billy and a bunch of other various topics of interest. So if you guys are interested in that, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes now and uh, or you can shoot us an email or message and we'll send you a link to get invited to that as well. We'll have to do some ask a young person again just to figure out what the hell it is. But my daughter and my son are like, yeah, we'll, we'll walk you through with that. They gave me like a pat on the shoulder like, okay, old man. Like, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us that five-star review and positive rating. Every five-star review and positive rating tells the almighty algorithm that we are a kick-ass podcast. That's a weird way to say it, but we're going with it. When they think we're a good podcast, they will introduce us to more people. Uh, the more people that see us, the more people that listen, the bigger the community gets and the more fun we all have. So uh, take a moment if you haven't already. It's a fun, free and easy way to support the podcast. We got a lot of fun things coming up ahead this year. Uh, some more nylon curtain love and hopefully some fun conversations with some uh, friends and guests. So uh, stick around because we've got a lot in the hopper and we can't wait for you all to hear what's coming up. And we'll see you all soon. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Nothing's changed because you can't stop the falling of the rain. Ah, ah, no, you can't stop the falling of the rain. Oh, I got a lot of things in the hopper, buddy. I didn't know you had a hopper. Oh, I got a hopper. A big hopper. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 